here we go. Episode 46 of the Hardline Sports Talk. I am Michael Merlo. Alongside me, I have, well, not alongside me, on Zoom, I have John Michael Masiri. JM, how are we doing on this fine evening? I am doing well. Uh, ready to get into the, the holiday season. Um, make, you know, finished up my Christmas list. Got to get some gifts Aww. from other people. You send it to Santa yet? Yeah, hopefully Santa brings me a couple nice things this year. That'd be nice. Nice. I don't have I don't have a Christmas list yet. Oh, look not. At yeah, I'm not there yet. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited for Christmas. You know, eat good desserts, dinner. Oh, I can't wait. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be good. Um, Christmas Eve a- better than Christmas Day though. Oh, that's my take. Th- that's li- that th- we could debate that for a while because I completely disagree. Dude, with the, you. the food and I actually on, think you're a clown. The food on Christmas Eve that it's so and then like Christmas mornings uh, amazing obviously but like Christmas Day gets a little depressing when you're when you're getting towards the end of it or maybe you're sitting down you're like oh Christmas season's over now we just have yeah. the winter it's cold. All right. it's snowy, I understand that I understand that part because. Yeah, you have this whole lead up for like a month where you're excited for Christmas and then it's just one day, it's 24 hours, then it's over. And I understand that feeling, but A, I have a big party December 26th as well. And I don't know, it's just, I don't love the food on Christmas Eve. I'm not a big seafood guy like you are. Oh, I love it. So I understand why you like the food better. You know, we have lasagna and you know all the you know meatballs, everything yeah. Christmas Day. So that's my style. All right, agree to disagree. I guess. Well, I know yeah. you're not invited to my house for Christmas Eve, then. Yeah, well, I, I guess I'm happy because my mother makes me big ZD on Christmas Eve. Okay, I'm a little spoiled. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, we got a list for you today. Our top ten catchers. Yeah, we're going to baseball. Yeah, we're going to be doing this a lot. We're going to do every position uh, every episode until we cover all the positions. Baseball. Maybe we'll be out of a lot. Maybe we'll be out of a lockout. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't I don't think so. I think we'll still be firm (laughs) in lockout the whole time. But yeah, just, you know, fun, fun list to do. Uh, I've seen a bunch of lists. We've both seen a bunch of lists on Twitter from some MLB accounts. Not not so great. Yeah, no, some people putting <laughs> guys who haven't even had an at-bat yet in the MLB and putting them in the top 10, so. Top five. Top five, yeah, they even even top five. So, <laughs> so that'll be fun. We'll do that um, after the break because we are going to start with the NFL. You know, of course, you know, it's busy, busy in the NFL. And I think we're finally figuring out who's for real, who's not for real. I guess. It's becoming more clear. It's coming a little bit more clear. I, I feel like the MVP race is becoming a little more clear as well, but I think we're figuring out who's for real. You know, if we want to list a couple of teams, the Packers are for real. The Bucks are for real. The Cardinals are yeah. for real. The Rams not there yet. The Patriots are for real. The Chiefs I think are for real. I don't know. You want to throw some teams in here? Do you disagree with any of those teams? Um, I think the Patriots, yeah, they're probably at that point where you could say they're for real. Um, I think the Bills are for real. I, I Agreed. Mean, I, I know the record may not might, you know, they're seven and five, but I saw someone compare them to the Bucks last year. I, I didn't hate that. The Bucks lost five games last year and got hot towards the end of the season. Um, yeah, I think you covered them. Even like some teams we wanted to call for real, uh, like the Cowboys, they've kind of hit a little bit of a skid. Um, so 
I don't know if we, you know, they're they're for real playoff contender, but are they for real Super Bowl contender? I don't know about that. Right. The Cowboys will be in the playoffs. I had mentioned the Rams. You know, they've beat up on pretty bad teams. Uh, you know, they're a good team. Are they a great team? I, I right. probably would say no at this point. But they have a huge game coming up on Monday night where if they go to Arizona and, and win, we're kind of talking about them a little bit differently. Yeah, for sure. That'd be a huge one to go to Arizona. Kyler Murray's back. DeAndre Hopkins is back. Everybody's healthy there. And uh, they they certainly had an easy game on Sunday against Chicago. Um, but when we were talking about what teams are for real, the AFC, man, that wild card race, it's going to be a shame to see. I think there's four teams in the AFC that are legit wild card contenders that, I, I mean, everybody's a wild card contender that's still not eliminated, but when I, I mean legit people who could make some noise in the playoffs, I see the Bengals, I see the Colts, I see the Chargers, and I see the Bills slash Patriots, whoever uh, comes in second place in that division. And it'll be a shame to see one of those teams get out, especially I'm rooting for the Colts hard. I really want to see them get in. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how it shakes up. But I think all of those teams, when you look at them compared to the NFC, the NFC wildcard teams are significantly weaker. You have more elite teams in the NFC, more like top flight teams. And then when you look over to the AFC, you're kind of like, all right, you got the Patriots, maybe you got the Chiefs, but there's not like a clear dominant team in the AFC like we have it in in the NFC. But then you're right. You have so many teams competing for one spot and you have a bunch of teams competing for one spot too in the NFC, Mm -hmm. but it's a bunch of trash teams that probably don't deserve to make the play. How do you feel about the seven game? Yeah. I mean the seven team, I know we had it last season. We had the bears who were eight and eight, make the playoffs. I don't love it to be completely honest with you. I'm usually a fan of the, the smaller, the playoffs, the better. I like the fact that baseball only about a third of the league. Actually, it's exactly a third of the league makes the playoffs. And I love that. You know, the NBA, I'm not crazy. 16 teams make it. That's over half the league. It, 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 it kind of cheapens the achievement of making the playoffs. And I, I yeah. feel the same way like that with football. You know, I don't, I don't hate it. Um, I was more, I'd say I'm more okay with it now than I was when I was first uh, introduced to it. I think it provides more value in getting that one seed, getting that first round by that makes it better. But do I love the fact that like you said, the seven teams and three wildcard teams get in? I'm not so sure about that, but I can do you like the it. fact that the lions are still not mathematically eliminated from making the playoffs. That's, do you like the fact that the football team who has Taylor Henneke, who has been playing well, give him credit. Right. that the football team and the Eagles are competing for that last spot. Yeah. They're like, I mean, the definition of average teams yeah. competing to get into the playoffs. I agree with you with baseball, to be honest with you. I've, I, I like the system they have now. I, I know they want to expand it. I've seen them. I'm okay with like two more teams, but to me, th- this is way too much. I'm just, I'm full oh, yeah. blown again. I'm full blown against this. Well, I wouldn't call it, way too much but i think that's just a sort of an instance that uh you know you're seeing the vikings and the uh, football team and the saints and whoever competing for that last spot and all those teams when you think about them you're like well they're pretty average um but then you look over to the afc side and you have uh you know the colts aren't in it right now the steelers aren't in it which the steelers you know their record is pretty solid they're playing the vikings right now probably gonna lose but um i think it's just more of a, a, a circumstance thing that you're seeing 
maybe not so great teams making the playoffs in the NFC this year? Um, the Islanders just lost again, so that's good. Jesus. Um, let's talk about some games that we got um, coming up this weekend. Uh, big game. We mentioned these teams. Uh, I think the best game of the weekend, um, and I, I'll even give you my prediction for it when we talk about it, but the Bills travel to Tampa Bay and play the Buccaneers. Now, I happen to think the Bills are going to get right here and go to Tampa Bay and win big, to be honest with you. I they went big. Okay. What do you mean by big? Like multiple like, scores? Yeah, like 10 points, 14 points. Like wow. a dominant victory in Tampa Bay. But, again, they come off this Monday night game where they it was incredibly difficult conditions against the Patriots. Now I feel like they're just – I feel like both teams, if the Patriots are playing this week, they're not. They have a bye. But if the Patriots are playing, I feel like that like they would be ultra aggressive, have to let you know, almost like let everything out because they have right. to be so conservative. And I feel like the Bills, who did try and throw the ball, they have Josh Allen. He's got an incredibly strong arm. So they were trying to throw the ball. It just didn't work out. I feel like they're going to be ultra aggressive. You're going to see a lot of different things. Brian Duball, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, has taken a lot of heat really this whole season that, you know, apparently he hasn't been doing a good job. I haven't, you know, I can't tell you if he's been doing a good job or not. I haven't really focused in on them, but I don't know. I'm very excited for this game uh, on CBS, Jim Nance, uh, Phil Sims with the call. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I, don't, Romo, I don't, excuse me. I, I think you're kind of crazy, honestly, for your prediction of them winning by 10 or 14 points. I mean, I could see Buffalo going there. You know, they have the, one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. Um, but Tredavious White now injured. That's that's a big blow for them. Oh. Um, you know, I could see them winning in Tampa. Uh, I think the Bucks are. You know, they're they're human. They're vulnerable at certain points. They they can lose a couple games. But uh, yeah, saying four, 10, 14 points. I don't know about that. The game on Monday was a little weird. Obviously, like you said, with the conditions and the Patriots running forty five times and throwing three. Um, so. That division, who knows what's going to happen there. I think Buffalo is still a better team, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I know the Patriots have great coaching and, and great defense, and their offense has even been really good this year. But uh, I, I still think there's a, there's a little bit of uh, unfinished uh, – they're, they're a little rough, the Patriots. They're, they're not a, a finished product yet is kind of what I'm trying to say. That's, um, and I, that's I think that, I think that goes with the quarterback. Mac Jones has done a good job this year, but I, I think he still has some things to work out. Um, but they're all right. I un, I understand what you're saying, but he's not making mistakes. Yes, they're not completely opening up the playbook for him because they're easing him into this. But I I don't like they don't have to. You know, they have right. such a good run game. They have such a good defense. Well, and you wanna... if he's not making mistakes, they can afford to say, okay we don't have to let him, we don't have to throw everything at him. We can ease him into this. And, you know, even if it's not this year, it's next year, they start really expanding it. They, they're showing you that they can still win games without doing that. Right. I'm going to make a little bit of a a bold prediction here. Um, I'm talking about the bills and the Patriots. And obviously I said that I think the bills are a little better than the Patriots, but I did not by any means say that I don't think the Patriots are good. I think they're very good. Right. My bold prediction is I think one of those two teams is going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't really see anybody from the NF from the AFC North 
getting out. I mean, the Ravens to me just look less and less impressive every week. I mean, they're they're like squeaking by in certain games. They lost to Pittsburgh last week uh, with a controversial call by John Harbaugh, which I actually agreed with. I loved it. But um, you look at the AFC South. Tennessee, I don't, I don't, you know, Derrick Henry, that's a question mark. Even with him, Tannehill hasn't been himself this year. I don't, I don't love them. Um, and then, you know, the AFC West, you of course have Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs who seem like they're starting to put it back together here. We've but, been saying uh, that for like two weeks now. Right. But I think that those two defenses with the Bills and the Patriots, defense wins you championships and they have two of the best defenses in the NFL. And they also have good offenses and great coaches. So I think that those two will end up, one of them will end up, you know, coming out of the AFC. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I mean, it's right crazy now, for me to think about that. The Patriots are this good because I, I never saw this coming. Gun to my head. I'd say the Patriots, but you're right. It's, it is crazy. I thought they go to the playoffs. That was my prediction in the beginning of this season. I never thought they would be this good. Mm-hmm. I even had them winning a playoff game, and I still didn't think they'd be this good. I had the Bills. I, I wanted to ride with the Bills. You know, it's it, it is crazy though. I mean, listen, you're right about the defenses; they've been fantastic. Losing Tre'Davious White is a big thing, but yep. I think they'll be Marlon fine. Humphrey pass rush. Marlon Humphrey for the Ravens didn't mention that. That's a huge blow for the Ravens defense. That yeah. Thank you for reminding me. The Ravens injuries, and it, it stinks because it's it, you know it's. There's nothing they could do about it. Their right. injuries from the beginning of the season, you know, like before the season even started, then what they had throughout the season, and now just last week with Mar- Marlon Humphrey. Yep. The, the injuries are just catching up to them. They are. To, the, you know, where they look, they don't look good. And, you know, maybe Lamar feels the pressure like he has to do too much. They don't have that dominant run game that they've had in the past couple of years. And they're making Lamar throw it a little bit. And, you know, I'm a big believer in Mar. I think he's very talented, but maybe he's getting exposed a little bit because he's been throwing a lot of picks lately. And, you know, you got to take care of the football. You know, I was here, I was listening to Steve Young talk about this with Lamar Jackson. And, you know, they almost like, they're so heavy with this run game. They believe in it so much. And the offense that they run and put around Lamar is so good and run heavy that they almost force him to not be able to develop as a passer. Right. This is what Steve Young was saying. And I got to give him all the credit because it was a fantastic point. And it's almost like they're holding him back. Why not, you know, really open up the playbook with him off, you know, offensively, you know, throwing the football because a you have at the end of the day, you have to be able to throw the football. You're not going to be able to win a Super Bowl with him as his number one, like, like, yes, it could be 1A and 1B as a strength, but he's got to be able to throw the football effectively, you know, late in the season. You know, you're not going to be able to do it just running the football. Right. Because and, uh, th- that's know, what wins championships. I think you see that all the time. I mean, we talk about the argument uh, with, you know, drafting running backs high round or signing running backs to big contracts. And you look at those numbers of the past 10 Super Bowl champions, everybody know that knows that chart with, you know, the, the average salary, and you never have a running back over $2 million on that roster of the team that won the Super Bowl. And, you know, maybe there's some truth to that because running the football is, is it's, a, it's a nice thing to have. Obviously teams build their offenses off of it, but if you can't throw that ball, you're, you're not going to, you can only go so far. I mean, we saw it with the Titans 
couple years ago when they got to the AFC Championship, they kind of just ran out of juice because at some point you need to be able to throw the football. And if you don't have um, a quarterback who can air it out during and play action and stretch the defense down the field and, and stop them from loading up that box, then you're in trouble. You got to be accurate. You got to be able to take care of the football, not, not throwing interceptions. And I have come around on Lamar in the past year, which is pretty crazy. I think he can do it. I, I just think it's yeah, it's I almost think. like it's the offensive coordinator and, and, and the coaching staff. Yeah, You got to open it up. And I, I wonder if they're going to change things. I wonder if they're going to say, okay, listen, we can't sustain this success here, in the especially in the playoffs. We've seen it where – and I know they ran into a hot bills team last year that, you know, that was just better than them, mm. but let's see with all these injuries. Now they're going to be in the playoffs. I think let's, let's see if they change it up. They're going to have to do something because time's ticking and <laughs> you're going to have to pay Lamar pretty soon too. They didn't pay him yet. That's right. Nope. Who got Allen got paid. Allen got paid. Yep. Allen got paid. They didn't pay him yet. So that, that, yeah, that's coming this off. Season. Wow, that, that draft class is getting contract. That's pretty crazy. I remember sitting in my living room screaming. I shouldn't say crying. I wasn't crying. Screaming at my TV when the New York Giants selected. Well, that draft class is kind of, it's pretty balanced. I mean, I think we've said this before on the show, but when you look at those five first round quarterbacks, you got two busts in Donald and Rosen. You got a meh in Baker Mayfield, who honestly could become a bust pretty soon if they move on from him and he just ends up whatever. Um, but then you got two studs in Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. It's is that how it is that how it balances out though? Or, I mean, or honestly, we see that in there's this, like this past draft class. Is that is that exactly how it's going to go? I think if five? you if you break it down by numbers, there's definitely more busts than hits. Yes. Pause. Because because. You know, you think about it, there's only 32 starting jobs in the league. And think about how many first-round quarterbacks there are every year. There's usually at least three. So. All right. Very quickly. Very quickly. Out of the out of the five quarterbacks just drafted. Bust. Two busts. One meh. And two guys that are good. Uh, I mean. Pred- um, completely prediction. You know, not. All right. Good. Based on. Good ones. I'm going to go. Obviously, Mac Jones, I'm going to put for one because he's been off. They're they're literally going to morph him into Tom Brady 2.0. I mean, it's <laughs> Mac Jones. Mac Jones is a is a is a good quarterback. He's talented. He's accurate. But that's all you have to be in this Patriots system. You have to be accurate. You have to be smart. Be able to read the defenses, and that's really it. They're not going to stretch it 50 yard. They're not going to be throwing 50 yard bombs all day. Um, it's tough for me to say with Zach Wilson because I I, I don't know. Um. I'm not confident about a lot of these guys. I'll go to the bus because I, th- those are easier to me. The two bus I think are going to be Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Wow. And then, and then in the middle, I'll say either Trey Lance or Zach Wilson. One of them will be in that good category. I'm not sure who to pick from yet. Um, yeah. To me, this whole thing with Trevor Lawrence, you got the game on the background. I didn't even notice that. Um, this one thing with Trevor Lawrence Everybody always said, oh, Trevor Lawrence, you got to stay away from New York. He, don't let that guy go to New York. He went to Jacksonville. Is that really that much more of a desirable situation? You got Urban Meyer getting lap dances at, at bars. They haven't <laughs> won a goddamn thing in 25 years. 
you don't have an offensive line. The defense is horrible. You're trading everybody away. They traded away CJ Henderson, who was their first round pick a couple of years ago. What what is so appealing about Jacksonville? You signed Tim Tebow uh, in a publicity stunt. I don't know if it was like that. It was appealing about Jacksonville. I I just felt like people what is saying, worse oh, about New York than Jacksonville? The no, weather. I, well, yes. Um, listen, I didn't. I thought that was stupid. To be completely honest with you, if you I thought me, that whole take was stupid. If you want me to be completely honest about this Jet season, I am very pleased with the way the Jet season has gone. The only complaint I have is Zach Wilson, which I have to be patient with him anyways. You know, I'd like to see a little bit of it, – it's annoying as a Jet fan to be like, yeah, you want to be patient, but you're like, you know, why can't we just have the luck where Zach Wilson just comes out and lets sets the world on fire like Justin Herbert did or something like that. But you got to be patient. Um, you know, he's had his up and downs with interceptions and everything like that, but he's playing better lately. And then you look at this draft class that we have, Douglas right is is over fifty percent on this draft. Everybody, Elijah Moore looks like he's going to be one of the great receivers the Jets have had in their recent history. Uh, Michael Carter, both of them look fantastic. Elijah Rara Tucker looks good. You got some guys from last year's draft class. Bryce Hall's balling out like the season's going well. So uh, I don't know what they got going on there in Jacksonville, but wh- whatever it is that's it's more appealing, let me know. No, I, I think the biggest complaint, especially lately, has been the Jets' defense. But, you know, I, I, the biggest thing with this season was, is Zach Wilson going to develop? Is he going to show signs of these young players that they spent high draft picks on? Elijah Vera Tucker, um, Elijah Moore, are they going to look like legit players in this league? And, and Vera Tucker has been fantastic. Yeah. Elijah Moore, for the past month or two, has been one of the better ro- just rookies. Yeah. He's been very good. So – you know, we're, it's New York. People are, you know, not patient, impatient. So, of course, you're going to get overreactions. I've overreacted about the Jets and some of their performances where they've looked lifeless on defense. And I yeah. think part of that is a little bit on the head coach, a little bit, you know, and a lot on what they have on the field, which yeah. is a lot of guys that I don't think, especially defensively, are going to be back next year, which nah. is a good thing. So, I, I think you're right. You got to be patient, you know. Joe Douglas has got to weed out a lot of bad players from the last regime, from the last coach. So he's not done yet, clearly. And you got to give him time. There's a re- we always we always say it, man. You there's always a, there's a reason why he signed a six year contract. Yep. Exactly. He's, he he needed a lot of time to fix this franchise. We're re- we're really like, we're bouncing all over the place. It's good. Mm-hmm. We are bouncing all over the place though. Um, where do we want to go now? Let's go. Steer this ship right back on course. Let's steer this ship right back. We, you know, we touched on the, on that Rams and, and Cardinals game. You know, it's it's very impressive what the Cardinals did very quickly. That's the Monday night football game uh, coming up this coming Monday in Arizona. What, what the Cardinals were able to do without DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray with Colt McCoy just kind of showed overall, A, their their coaching staff is is has been good. I got a why the hell is this ringing? My AirPod is just ringing. Oh, Where are my ears ringing? I don't know. The Their other. coaching staff has been fantastic. They have a good roster, and it picked them up when they were in one of the tough times in their season. And I'm really starting to believe in them. They did lose a tough game at home to the Packers on Thursday Night Football, 
and that kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth considering what the Packers were missing in that game. But I, there's, I definitely feel good about the Cardinals and probably the best I felt about the Cardinals all season. Right yeah, now. The, the, the Cardinals are they're legit. Um, I think they're going to be a really tough team for anybody that plays them in the playoffs. Uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray might be the league MVP right now. I mean, we're, I think we're going to get into that for a, a little bit with this MVP race that it it's it's anybody's to grab at this point. Um, but Murray's played pretty well. And Cliff Kingsbury, you got to say hats off to him. He's done a, a, a damn good job. The Rams, uh, it's tough to figure them out still. I mean, Stafford especially, has. it seemed like he was an early MVP candidate in the beginning of the year, and he kind of fizzled out. He's had his injury problems, and he's, he's had his turnover issues lately, and he still hasn't really shown he's able to play these big games against these big teams and win. But, uh, you know, I want to talk about Cooper Cup because he's sure. – we were having a friendly argument the other day talking about wide receivers and everything like that. And I think though, if you're at the end of the year, we're going to look at top five wide receiver lists and you're going to see a big shakeup from what we've seen in the past. I think sure cup deserves to be in that list. Definitely in the top five, in my opinion. I mean, at this point leading the league in all three major receiving categories, how could you not put the guy there? Um, and I think Justin Jefferson definitely should be there. I mean, the guy's played a year and three quarters in the NFL, and he's done nothing but put up insane numbers and make crazy catches. But I think that that offense is is it's built through Cooper Cup at this point, and he's a special player, and he's a big reason for their success this year. He can do it all. He's a great route runner, has great hands, very good after the catch. He can block. He's smart. Everybody was talking about that post game interview he had. Where he was, that was crazy though. That, that was nice. Uh, at one point, he lost me. I was like, oh, I don't even know. What he lost me about. too. Um, but yeah, the Rams, just talking back about them as a whole, they're a good team, but we're still waiting for them to come out and really show us, okay, this team is legit. Look out for them, everybody in the NFC kind of a thing. Well, first off, I agree with you. Justin Jefferson is in the top five. Uh, Cooper Cup is absolutely in the top five. I think I think we could weed Hopkins out of there. I think Diggs is kind of taking a step back this season. So when you got Hill, you got Devontae Adams to me is still number one. Yes, I don't think I don't think that's going to change. Right. Um. I think. Yeah. I mean, Hopkins has had his injury problems, and so who knows if we? It's not new. It's not like it's a, it's a new thing. Right. So I I mean the talent is top five, but has he played enough to be in the top five? No, he hasn't earned it. Uh, with the Rams, you know, Troy Aikman actually said something uh, last week, which actually made sense for the first time in his life. And he said <laughs> um, these super teams, you know, where you collect a bunch of all-stars and you put them on one NFL team, you know, kind of like what the Rams are doing. You know, they have, you know, they bring in Stafford, and then they sign uh, Odell and they trade for Von Miller. And it's, it feels like an all-star team right. it rarely works in the NFL. It's, true. it's tough to do. And he's right about that. And I don't know what's going to happen with this team. Like, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I'm pretty confident in saying that. But I don't think this is a team that goes far. Right. Yeah, they got some issues. They just they have consistency issues. That, that, that's the problem. They beat up on bad teams. When they play the good teams, you either see, you know, a Rams team that looks unbeatable or you see a Rams team that just falls flat on their face. Right. So I'm very intrigued with this game because if they come out firing 
on prime time and they beat up on the Cardinals, you're going to see a lot of people back on the Rams, you know, um, bandwagon. But if they lose again to a bad team, a good team on prime time, you're going to hear people calling them frauds and this isn't going to work and this isn't working and it's going to be bad because we, we over, we overreact to prime time. Well, I think when you talk about, you know, what Troy Aikman said with the super teams, he's right because, you know, football is a game that has 22 people on the field at one time on a 53 yard, uh, the, 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 the field is 53 yards wide. So, you know, you can have a couple of really special players on that field, but you, you know, let's talk about their defense. You got Jalen Ramsey and you got Aaron Donald. Those are two studs, but guess what? There's nine other guys on your defense. You talk about the offense. It's nice to have those shiny toys with Cooper cup and Odell Beckham and, and some other weapons, but you need to have a fully complete offensive line. You need to be built all around. You have to have depth. And I think maybe the Rams lack that a little bit. Who's to blame for that? Do we blame the GM? Is it not depth? Is it a coaching problem? Do we blame Sean McVay? We've been overhyping him this whole time. I don't know, but something about the Rams, there's just something missing there. And it, Alpha, it, 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 I think it's it, the offensive line. I think it is too. The root to many problems. You know, usually if a team for whatever reason is not playing well, usually because they don't know. When was the last time a team won the Super Bowl with a bad offensive line? Not last season. The Chiefs won it against Kansas, uh, against San Francisco. That wasn't a bad offensive line. No, it was good. The next year it was bad because of injuries. And, you know, maybe some guys had down years. They lost a couple guys, whatever. But, what happened? They lost to Tampa Bay. Pat Mahomes was running for his life the whole game. So you, can't, you cannot win without it. I, th- I think about that Eagles team that that beat you know with Nick Foles. That was a fantastic offensive line. So you know we always talk about oh what you know the the Jets need a a number one receiver. This team needs that whatever. But maybe if we just slow down and think of it from a logical standpoint and look at history and see okay. These teams were really successful. What is it about them that made it successful? A lot of it, most of the time, is going to have to do with offensive line and defensive line. I've been saying this for two for a That's month, I think, now. I, I've been saying it for a month now. Football's pretty simple. You have yeah. a good offensive line. No, you protect your quarterback, and you get to the other team's quarterback. There is a very good chance that you have a good football team. Right. That's why I think the Patriots are legit and are good Super Bowl contenders. That's why I think the Bills are Super Bowl contenders. Right. I think the Packers are Super Bowl contenders. They have a very good pass rush defense, interior defensive line, and their offensive line hasn't been great, hasn't been bad, though, and they've had injuries. Elton Jenkins and they're getting Bakhtiari hasn't played the entire year. So I think, back. I think they'll be fine there. And, you know, we talk about the, the Cardinals, one of the best defensive lines in football. So – you're right. Simple. I mean, you got to have the quarterback too, but it's pretty simple. I mean, we've seen, you know, teams get to the playoffs with bad offensive lines, but usually it's like, you know, you have guys like a Russell Wilson yep. running around there. He hasn't had a good offensive line in years and it's, it's catching up to him this season, but he, he's gone to the playoffs and, and lost right away because yep. they didn't have a good offensive line. The bills offensive line, you know, it, it's funny. They haven't been playing well and their offensive line has not been playing well. Right. Lately, so they got they got to fix that. They definitely have to fix that. And they've we had wanna... that problem the past couple of years. Their run offense was atrocious last year. Well, they, they don't have a run great either this year. 
he he might be their best runner. Like, yeah. he, you know, and it's that's not a good thing. No. And it's a cool thing because the way he runs the ball is pretty exciting, but it, it's not a good thing for them. You want to talk about Russell Wilson very quickly? Sure. So uh, Russell Wilson is on the four and eight Seahawks, as we know, and they've been struggling. There were trade rumors last off season. Nothing came of it. And now they are coming back. He has a full no trade clause and he ended up denying it um, later this evening, but well, earlier this evening, I should say, but there was a report out there that he would waive his no trade clause for three teams. This came out yesterday. This is from Jordan Schultz. He said he would waive his no trade. A source close to him thinks, or he said that he would waive his no trade clause for the New York Giants, the New Orleans Saints, and the Denver Broncos. Those three teams. Interesting list of three. Um, I I have no, it's been a rumor for a little while now that he's been intrigued by New York. Ciara, his very beautiful and attractive wife is interested in new york she's a what is she she's like a model movie star is movie a singer star, i think Sing, uh, uh, singer one of, i, I think she's a singer model. i know nothing about that i literally know nothing about like actors actresses i don't pay attention to that yeah me either. i don't really care about them yeah. unless you're attractive um <laughs> uh, yeah i think i can say that um but yeah it, it's it's a very interesting list um you know, there's pros and cons to all these three teams. And I mean, it makes it makes sense, but I'm you can also make it not sense. I'm so tired of this with the rumors and this guy wants to get traded there or whatever, especially with Russell Wilson. We hear this all the time. We've been hearing it for a couple of years now. Um, yeah, I mean the situation in Seattle, it's Man. not great. They they they've given up future draft capital. Thank you very much. Um, which Jamal Adams is out for the year now too. Mm. Oh, um, that, their that their, their offensive good. line has been bad for it seems like ten years at this point. Um, and they're not winning football games. The defense isn't great either. Um, so some change needs to happen. What's it going to be? I don't know. Russell Wilson's getting up there in age now. So would it make? No sense to trade Wilson? I don't think so. I mean, I probably still wouldn't do it. But if you can get a massive return back and try and, you know, uh, get this organization back on track, have a couple down years, but rebuild the future, maybe you do it. But, um, yeah, I don't know how much to buy all this. He has these three teams he wants to go to, blah, blah, blah. It's all BS to me, honestly. I'd bet the house he's traded. Really? I think he's gone. I think he is, or he already has the foot out the door. He's already out of there. See? I think Carroll is gone. Fought retires. Um, yeah, they'll probably force him into retirement if anything. You know, he he took on the role of GM, and yeah. he shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. It, it's plain and simple. It, we have not seen many guys that doesn't succeed seem to at that. Ever work? Yeah. Well, Bill Belichick has tried to do that, and they took some. Um, authority away from him. Yeah. This draft class, I mean, obviously he has to say he's the coach, yeah. but he was not making these selections and it was his call. I mean, he was, again, he collaborated with them, but I read from Albert Breer, they took some control away from him this draft and they ended up having an absolutely fantastic draft. It, seems well, it like looks like much. they're having a fantastic draft. It's just too much. You, you got to coach a football team and then you want to, Throw on top of that another job of being the general manager. I don't care 
how little work you think that is or how much time you think you have, that's that's a recipe. It's for impossible. Success. It's impossible. Bill, obviously, Bill O'Brien, I just mentioned, he yeah, failed at that yeah. big time. Really big. Oh, what was that? I, I was listening to somebody talk about Bill O'Brien, actually. Oh, my. What was it? Oh, my God. I... I, I forget who said it, but it, it was on Sirius XM. It wasn't BS. They said that Bill O'Brien was actually trying to get fired because he heard from back channels in New England that they were upset with Bill and that if he was available, Kraft would bring him in to be the head coach over there to oh replace Belichick. So he, was, so he was actually trying to get fired. And then the Bozos with the Texans said, we're going to make you GM too. And he was like, um, okay, I have all this power here. Maybe I'll stay here. And then oh he ended up making God. a bunch of Come other bad on. moves as general manager. I, I swear to God, I'm not making this up. I heard this. If that's true, then that's just sad. How crazy is that? Ugh, that Bill O'Brien anyway. era. I honestly forgot that was a thing. I'm glad that's over the Bill O'Brien era. Don't worry. He'll, he'll get, he'll get a job again. Oh, He's, I'm sure. Um, He's the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Yeah, so maybe, you know, maybe he'll be wearing blue next year. Uh, what kind of blue? You know, bear, bear is blue. Nah, blue and red, baby. <laughs> that live stadium. Let's go. You know, the Giants were brought into this, and if you asked me yesterday with the Russell Wilson rumor, you asked me Giants traded for Russell Wilson, I'd say you're an idiot. No, and I got to thinking today. I had a lot of time driving in the car today. I got to think this team needs a complete. This team on the offensive line needs a just kill everybody except Andrew Thomas. Right. Okay. So these four guys they have on this offensive line right now, done. Goodbye. They need a new offensive line. But you're talking about trading for a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, I understand the Giants have not looked good this year. But if you had Russell Wilson on this team this year, okay, at the minimum, they're six and six and in a playoff spot. At the minimum. I don't know about that. And maybe there's a couple of more wins in there. They beat I, Washington. You can't know. You can't just say that, that they would be in a playoff spot if they had Russell. I don't get that. That doesn't I'm going. I'm I'm going off of the games that they've played this year. So you that think they lost you close. think you think Wilson's you think the Seahawks roster is significantly worse than the Giants then? Um, That's basically what you're saying. Because they're four I, and eight. You're saying the Giants would be six and six. Well, we're also have to take into account I'm not saying Russell Wilson got hurt. Yeah, but you're not, but we're not talking so, about this in a in a bubble or a vacuum or whatever you want to call it, because yeah, if you technically take Russell Wilson and put him on the Giants when they lost 31 to 29 to the Washington football team, maybe they win that, you know, maybe he gives them three or seven more points. But that's not how it works. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, I understand. That game wouldn't go the same saying, way if Russell Wilson was the quarterback. Right, but the game was close. That, that's what I'm trying to get. Another at. thing like they played, they're playing these teams that they lost close games to that maybe, you know, I, like I think we thought they were better than the Falcons when they played the Falcons. Right. But and they I mean, lost that game. Russell Wilson isn't going to solve all your problems. I don't think he's going to solve much of your problems, honestly, if you did trade for him, because you just said they have to rebuild the offensive line. 
if you trade Russell, if you trade for Russell Wilson, you're giving up at least your two first round picks this year. Right. And then you might have to give up a couple other first round picks, more draft picks, maybe a young player, who knows? So how are you going to rebuild this offensive line quickly? Wilson's not a young guy. This isn't Deshaun Watson. Wilson's what, 34 years old? He's up. There. I don't I don't know off the top of my head, but he, he is an older guy. He's probably got, you know, three to five more years of him being, you know, a very good player in the right. league. I, yeah. I, I, the point I'll make to you about the offensive line is that he doesn't have a great one in Seattle and he hasn't had one for a, a while. So, yeah, I understand you want to try and build this offensive line up, but Russell Wilson has done a lot with. I know. I know Wilson there. is a very attractive option. He's a very good quarterback. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Um, would it be the immediate answer to your quarterback position? Yes. Would it be exciting? Yeah. But will it solve your problems? And is it the best move for them to make when you talk about down the road? I don't think so. I think. Jam, answer, answer me this. We have drafted at the top of the draft now for four straight years. We have missed on many of these picks. Okay. We've tried to build through the draft. We've hired bozos after bozo after bozo making stupid mistakes. Ownership probably stepping in, not doing a good job. What faith do I have that now we have these two first round picks that we're going to hire a good general manager, which hasn't been done in years how am I yeah, but you're not that we're going to be able to do this? Your pro- you're not going to solve your problem by just trading for everybody. That's not how it's going to work. Yeah, but you, you get, trade. You, you can get a, Wilson you and you can get close enough, but you're still not going to have an offensive line. And now you have to trust your front office to draft some offensive linemen. So either way, you're going to have to do some trust. The Giants are only going to solve their problem and become a Super Bowl contender one day by hiring the right people. That's it. You have to hire the right. You have to get the right GM. I think Judge is gone. I think if you get a new GM, Judge is already gonna is already on the hot seat. I don't think they're gonna want to ride out another year with Joe Judge. I think Daniel Jones is gone, which I don't know if that's necessarily the best move for them. I think you should hold on to Jones maybe one more year. But um, it obviously He's coming around on DJ. It depends on with your draft position and everything. But yeah, Russell Wilson. This is why it never really works with these quarterbacks. And oh, is he gonna get traded because the you had there needs to be a team that is very talented but is just missing that quarterback. That's what we saw with the Rams. That's why that Matt Stafford deal got done. The Rams were talent, a very talented team. They made the playoffs last year. They're going to make them again this year. We're just talking they might be a Super Bowl contender, but they had Jared Goff at quarterback. So they got Matt Stafford. Any of those teams, the Broncos, the Giants, and the Saints. The Giants are at the bottom of that list for teams when you talk about overall roster. I don't think Russell Wilson solves their problems, and I, this is why I'm saying I don't know if I can trust that Russell Wilson is going to get traded for because these teams don't want to give up this much draft capital or their young players for a guy that's going to come and, yeah, he'll play pretty well for you, but he's not going to solve every problem you have. We were just talking about how if you look at the past Super Bowl champions, they have great offensive lines. They have great defensive lines, whatever. Russell Wilson is going to take you. Yeah, sure. Maybe he'll get you in the wild card round. You're not going to go to the Super Bowl. So what's the point? What's the point? We've been one of the worst teams. We've been the worst team in the league for years. Yeah, but would you for, rather for trade five would you, years? Would you rather trade for Wilson and flirt with a wild card spot, but never really improve because he gave up all your draft capital? Or would you rather just 
play it out the normal way, try and draft your next franchise quarterback or, or draft a franchise tackle or whatever and ride it out that way. I'm picking option are, B, honestly. They are in a situation where, and I'm going to, listen, I, I wish I was okay with rebuilding because I knew it had to happen, and I wish they did it the right way because we suffered through four years now of this, okay? But I'm going to tell you what they're thinking. They think Joe Judge needs another year, okay? I would put a lot of money on the fact that Joe Judge is coming back next year. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, they believe, and listen, I agree with them that they've had a ton of injuries. They have had, you know, a load of injuries. They've had terrible injury luck. Now, I, I again, I don't think the Giants are a good team, but they're going to use that as an excuse. They are going to say, well, our injuries were really tough. You know, there wasn't a lot our quarterback can do. There wasn't a lot our coach could do. So they're going to use that as, a, as an excuse. Yeah, well, I and don't think ownership is going to want to fire another coach. I mean, that'll be – you're going to look be looking for your fourth head coach in six years. Yeah, they're going into the seventh season. Like, that's way too much. You can't go three years with two-year stints of coaches. You can't go six seasons with two-year stints of coaches. But I know, but it's so obvious that this guy is a clown and that he's in over his head. Yeah. You know, but are they going to – I'm saying – they're not going to have the balls to do that, honestly. I don't think. No, that's not the giant way. They, they have the. That's e- not the giant way. The, they have the ego, their egos, and everything. Where they're not, they're going to be like, well, I don't want to admit that I was wrong yet. Let's go another year. They love him. They he could. They are obsessed with Joe Judge for whatever reason. They've bought in. I hope they're they, not. They bought into his coach speak. Because, you know, that's but they think they're right. better than they they are. They think they why? are six why do six. they you know this is what I don't get about the Giants. They had that little nice run last year where their defense was playing well and they won a couple games. They beat Seattle with Colt McCoy, and it was oh my god, the Giants are gonna be so good next year. The Joe Judge, everything, blah blah blah. There's a lot of holes on this team that we talked about in the offseason and said, Well, they're gonna have to play well at this position, or whatever. And what's going on this year? They're not playing well at all those positions. Right. And where they, are you now? You're stuck in that same pit again of or you're fired. You fired your offensive coordinator. Your coach is on the hot seat. Do we have our franchise quarterback? Gettleman's going to be gone. So what, what is it about this team where you're going to go, oh, we think we're better than we are. You play in one of the weakest divisions in the league, and you still, it's better than last year at least. You know, whatever. Sure, pat on the back for that one. But you still – are not a playoff contender. So no, they're, they're not. I'm not saying I agree with them. I, I I don't. I'll tell you what they lack. They lack their defense is fine. They have a pretty good defense, especially the last month and a half, two months. It's been good. Patrick Graham has, you know, really stepped up. He's he's the, his defense has played well. I can't even jump on him. They lack an elite pass rusher. They lack linebacker linebacker depth. They lack four out of the five offensive line positions. And, and that's the unit we talked about the a quarterback. Most in the offseason. We talked about the offensive line, the quarterback. Remember, I would always say it can get toxic. It can get really bad with this offense. If Daniel Jones isn't yeah. playing well or that offensive line isn't playing well, it can get bad. Kenny Galladay, I said, might not have the year that they want, that they think he's going to have. And that's exactly what's happening. Saquon's been banged up, even when he is playing. I think it's done. He's, t- he's done. He's Saquon's done. I mean, come on. He's got nothing left. 
He, you could tell he doesn't have that burst. He's right. he doesn't trust his legs. He doesn't trust his. You know, people say he doesn't trust his knees. I think he's worried about his ankles more. Than he's worried about his yeah. knees because he sprained his ankles I, multiple times. It's a shame. I honestly feel bad for the guy. I mean, you know, he came into the league as an otherworldly talent, and he had an amazing rookie season. But then injuries got to him, and we see that with a lot of running backs. And that's why you can't take one second overall. You know, but and is, also happened. They're the gonna. Past. Dave Gettleman's an older man. He's also not the healthiest guy in the world, and they are going to let him retire. They're going to let him go out on his own. He doesn't deserve that. He deserves right. to be publicly humiliated and yeah. fired. That's how bad of a job he's done. I don't think the this is one of the worst stretches in Giants history. He could go down as the worst GM in Giants history. And honestly, when you look at the job he has done over the past four years, you can make the argument that in the past decade, he's done more damage to a franchise. That Nobody's done more damage to a franchise than he has. Nope. Listen, we talked about that 2018 draft class and how, you know, it was it was one of the best draft classes I can remember coming into yeah, the draft. I, I know what you're going to say, yeah. When you look at the top three from that draft now, it's one of the worst ones in recent memory. Baker Mayfield, Saquon Barkley, and Sam Donald. None of those guys have really turned out to be really good players. Saquon's the only one I can say. But like we just said, the guy doesn't stay on the field. Baker Mayfield might be playing his last year in Cleveland. I think he should be. I think they got to move on from this guy. I know Agreed. it's I know it's tough. They've been looking for their franchise quarterback for forever. Now you're going to give up on this guy. But he doesn't – The Baker Mayfield has had everything handed to him. He's had – Great offensive line, great receivers, a good a good defense, great running backs, and he plays mediocre. So it's time to be done with him. And then when you look at the rest of this class, it's pretty pathetic and it's pretty annoying, honestly, looking at this as a Jets fan. I'm sure this will annoy you as a Giant fan. You look at the next, let's say, 10 guys, except I'm going to leave Josh Rosen out of it. Mm. Denzel Ward, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen, Roquan Smith, Mike McGlinchey, <laughs> This is when Rosen gets picked and Minka Fitzpatrick. Those are like seven guys who are like pro bowlers easily. I spoke about it on my radio show on Wednesday that look at the draft the Giants had that season and look at all the all pro and pro bowl players from that draft. The, the look at the, look at the Colts draft. They drafted Quinton Nelson who might be the best offensive lineman in football, and then Darius Leonard in the, in the second round. How about this? So they ready? got two all-pro players in this <laughs> draft. You ready to get pissed off? Imagine if the Giants said instead of getting Saquon Barkley, you know what, let's draft. We need a really good offensive line. You know, they this was all, oh, let's run it one more year with Eli, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So what if they took Quentin Nelson, number two overall, and then with Nick their 34th Chubb. pick, instead of picking Will Hernandez, Nick Chubb was the pick right after that. What if they ended up getting Quentin Nelson and Nick Chubb? That'd be pretty nice. Imagine we we wouldn't be in this spot right now. No. Like that's how that that's how much that changes everything. We wouldn't be in this spot right now. Yep. John's money went to the playoffs that year. I mean, we could play what ifs all day. But. I know it's so painful, and he—that's why Dave Gettleman deserves to be publicly humiliated and fired. We've gone on a while here, yeah. So let's take a break. We're gonna do a our top ten catchers in baseball and talk a little bit the Mets.
My Metsies, man. The Mets are still me. on they're, this news cycle, man. They're holding on. They're keeping me. They're keeping me alive with yeah. my sports teams right now. So we'll take a break and come back and talk about that. The SND Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at sndpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. Here we go. The Hardline Sports Talk, episode 46. We are back from break, and we are ready to talk about some baseball. We've got our first list in a very long time. We are breaking down the top 10 catchers in all of baseball. And listen, this is not an easy list. No. This is kind of ugly. not an easy one. Yeah, it, it gets ugly. But, you know, listen, we got, we got to do it. It's, it's right. a position. And we're going to go through all of them. It'll get better. You know, we do right yeah. field and shortstop and starting pitchers. It'll be fun. It'll be easier. But starting pitchers is going to be that. that that'll be very interesting. Yeah, um, this will be interesting in a different way. Yeah. Some of these names you're going to hear in the beginning. You might be like, you might do a double take and be like, who the hell is that? Who is that? But, you know, welcome to welcome to the catcher position because this happens all the time. Um. All right. I'll start us off. Yeah, please. So, you know, I used uh, – I'm more of a fan of Baseball Reference War. I like B-War. Uh, I mean, sorry, not Baseball Reference War. Fangraphs War better. Um, right. I, I wrote B-War, even though it's F-War. Um, so, I took that into account more than Baseball Reference War. Uh, and I also looked at the other stuff, OPS Plus, and then obviously some of the basic uh, statistics, regular OPS, home runs, whatever. Uh, my number 10, I got Tyler Stevenson of the Cincinnati Reds, who is 25 years old, I think. He's only played a couple of seasons, but last year in all uh, 402 plate appearances, he had a 2.0 F war and a 104 OPS plus, so right above league average. I got Tyler Stevenson, number 10. Yeah, I like Tyler Stevenson. He's about to go up on my list. Um, number 10, I went with your boy, Gary Sanchez. Wow. Yeah, listen, it's 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 a um, again, like we said, it's not a deep, very deep position, but Gary Sanchez, listen, he's he's he still got the power. I mean, he's still one of the more um, I mean, how many home runs did he hit last year? 24? Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, he's still hitting a lot of home runs, you know, especially for the position. So, yes, he's not great defensively. He doesn't really get on base that much. But um, just for the power purpose here, I'm throwing Gary Sanchez at 10. That's fair enough. Um, Gary Sanchez did not make my list. I'll just throw that out there. Um, That's all right, my, That's your boy. Yeah, that is. that was my boy. I'm kind of done and tired of his crap now. But um, my number nine, this is a guy who recently was in the news because he got traded to the Miami Marlins. I got Jacob Stallings at number nine, 2.6 F war last year and 427 plate appearances, 92 OPS plus below league average, but he's a fantastic defensive catcher. Um, bit of a late bloomer. He's, he's past the age of 30, I believe. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to tell you any numbers right now that are going to be super flashy. He actually had a higher B war. He had a 3.0 B war. Um, I like Jacob Stallings is very good defensive catcher. And this is one of those positions in baseball where defense is extremely important. So because of that, I got him on my list at number eight, uh, number nine. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Stallings can respectfully, um, kiss my ass. Wow. That's, um, that's disrespectful. Not putting Jacob Stallings on your list. 
Yeah, he's not on there, and he broke my heart. Um, number nine, yeah. I have um, forgot about that. Kyle Stevenson. I, I really, I, I really like him. He's he's a younger guy, um, and I added him in fantasy last year, and he played very well. I can't. Oh, really so now we're him. so now we're being biased, right? I can't really tell you much about him, honestly. I, I mean, right. He had, you know, he had a two F war last year. He didn't, he only played in 132 games. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I, I can't tell you, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, but I like, I like Tyler. Yeah, good, good guy. Sure. Yeah, Is that yeah, what you're going to say? Yeah, he's a nice I, guy. I called him up when I added him in fantasy last year. And oh, I said, good. Are you going to give me some production here? And he said, yeah. Oh, that was nice. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go in depth. No, right. I can't. Number eight. Um, Sean Murphy of the Oakland Athletics is my number eight. Impressive war numbers here. He had a 3.3 F war. He won a gold glove this year at catcher. Um, 440, 448 plate appearances last year, 98 OPS plus, just below the average. But another guy who's really good defensively and actually made some noise uh, in the beginning of his career when he came up with the A's with his bat last year, had a bit of a down season offensively, uh, which if he didn't, he would have been higher on this list. But I got Sean Murphy at number eight. Okay. That's, um, I thought you were going to have him much higher on this okay. list. He's a little higher on mine. Okay. Um, I got at number eight, Mitch Garver. Oh, my. That's a problem. What's the problem with Mitch Garver? I was thinking about putting Mitch Garver in my top five. He just missed out, but. I mean, he's one of he's been one of the most productive offensive catchers in the game, but I'll let you make your points. 2.1 F war last year, 13 home runs. He only played in 68 games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he 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 had a fantastic – what was the year? He had a fantastic He had an year. OPS in the 900s, hit 31 home runs, and I think only 100. 20 – yeah, wow, holy crap. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable. That was 2019. He yeah. had um, – he played in 93 games. He had 31 home runs. He had a 3.9 war. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize he had that great of a year. Uh, last season in the third in the 68 games he played and he had a 137 WRC plus. Uh, that's weighted runs created. Uh yeah, I, I like me some Mitch Garver, but I got a couple of guys ahead of him. Okay. Uh, uh eight. I can't. I'm so you have Sean Murphy over Mitch Garver. Yeah. I don't get that. I'm sorry. Boy, what do you mean you don't get that? Let me see this right quick. <sighs> All right. Anyways, number seven. Yeah. Number seven, I got Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs. 2.1 F war last year, 483 plate appearances, 108 OPS plus. Guy who, in the beginning of Wait, his can career. You say, that, say that one more time. You cut out. I didn't hear the name. Wilson Contreras. Oh, okay. Um. Put up some really impressive numbers, and I believe at one point was thought of as a top five catcher in the MLB, maybe even top three. Um, yes. Had some really impressive years with Chicago. The bat seemed to slow down a little bit the past couple of years, but had a pretty solid season last year. Like I said, OPS plus above league average, and that's pretty good, um, especially for a catcher. But I got Wilson Contreras' number seven, and I think he could end up higher on this list uh, at the end of the next season. Yeah, Wilson Contreras did not make my list. Oh boy. So who do you I got? Oh God, you got I, somebody high now. Okay. Yeah. So I got um Sean, I got Sean Murphy right here, number seven. 
Uh, listen, you know, you talked about it before. Defense is very, very important. And uh, Sean Murphy is a very good defender. He had a 3.3 F war last year, 17 home runs in 119 games. You know, he's, he's got a little power here. Um, he had a nice season last year. So I think it's going to continue. And again, like, like we said before, defense is very important at this position. Probably one of the more important, probably the most important position where you would want Maybe you would take defense over offense and, and Sean Murphy here. I got him at seven. Okay. Originally uh, at six, but I'm, I did move I'm, I did move him down right before we started. I'm getting scared for who this player is that I mean I don't think it's anybody I don't think it's anybody crazy. Okay. I hope I didn't forget somebody or something. You because, you may have because No, I don't I don't think so. Um my number six, Mitch Garver. Of the Minnesota Twins, just okay. talked about him. Absolute dog, in my opinion, has a hell of a bat. 243 plate appearances, a 2.1 F4. I mean, when I'm talking about some of the guys on these this list, you know, have plate appearances in the 400s, even 500s, uh, one of them in the 600s, um, you know, that's a war of four to five. So 139 OPS plus is actually one of the highest OPS pluses on this list. The guy's an absolute stud with the bat. The defense, Nothing crazy, but to have a bat like that in such a, a position where it's so hard to find it, Mitch Garver definitely deserved to be on this list. And like I said, I almost put him in the top five, but if uh, if he played another 60 games last year and didn't have that injury, he would be in the top five. But because of that, I have him at six. Okay. I think this is where we differ because if we because uh. if we – differ anywhere else oh they're gonna have issues. we're gonna have problems because i think the top five is like i think we know what the top five is okay. okay so my guy number six and he got off to a very good start last year and he did not finish the season well that is omar Narvaez. oh jesus christ 99 <sighs> wrc plus last year 2.8 f4 in 123 games he was banged up as the season went on last year, but he had a very, very good first half. He was an all-star. He had 11 home runs and I, the injuries definitely toward the end of the year got to him. But I, I think he's going to have a big year coming into 2022. And I think we're going to see more of the second half than uh, the first half than we did in the second half. You don't six, like you're shaking your head. You six. don't like that. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at Omar Navarro. I was considering him for 10th, but sixth. I had him at eight originally, and I moved him up. Why? Especially with Mur with he had a very good first half. How do you put him over Garver? How do you look at Garver's numbers from 2019, the last full season that he played, and be like, "Yeah, give me Omar Narvaez over that." 2019. I mean, uh, okay, 2020 was 2020. We all know that season, and last year he was hurt, and he still put up. I agree with you, and he still put up good numbers when he was, you know, on the field last year. There's a chance I rate I had Garver a little low, but oh, here we go. Now he's backpedaling. There's a chance. No, I stick had to your guns. Don't be. I'm, don't. Hey, I'm not spineless. changing my list. I'm no. not changing my list. No. Omar Navaya is number six, and I stick by that. Yeah. Okay. I, I really like Omar Navaya. Yeah. Well, now, now you're walking back on some things. Um, Whatever. I'm not walking back. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I had him too low. A little too low. Yeah. But okay. I am. I am. I I'm high on Omar Navaya. Okay. If you All right now. He's now it's on our fantasy team next year. Oh, okay. Well, do you got a new partner or something? Uh, Anyways, uh, five years easy now, I think. Number five, yeah. Well, the top five is easy in terms of the names, the order of them, I'm not so sure. My number yeah, we're five, gonna, we're gonna be similar. 
listen, I need I need to go into depth about this guy. My number five, Salvador Perez. Yeah. Salvador Perez hit 48 bombs last year, broke Johnny Bench's record, and all you casuals want to be like, oh, Salvador Perez, the best catcher in the MLB, blah, blah, blah. His defense was absolutely putrid, and the guy had 665 plate appearances. He played every single day, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not going to knock the guy for playing all the time, but when we talk about catchers in a traditional sense, they usually play 120 to 130 games, which like most of these guys on this list did. So Salvador Perez's numbers might be a little inflated because of how much he played. Also, when you look at his F war, his F war is 3.4, which is the lowest out of everybody in the top five on this list. So that along with almost double the playing time of some of these guys, I got Salvador Perez number five. He's had a 126 OPS plus list last year, which is good. For a catcher, it's very good to have that. And obviously, his OPS was 850, hit 48 bombs, like I said. But a little overrated. Very overrated, honestly, in my opinion. Uh, I agree with you. I have Salvador Perez number five. Let's go. boy. Look, we look at us um, agreeing. Yeah, um, I think you said it. You know, what's really concerning is that you have a guy that had 48 home runs last year. Which again was very, it's impressive, and especially that he played 161 games. That's also impressive. Give him credit. He had a 127 uh, WRC plus, right? Weighted runs created plus. So, and you talk about the defense, it's not good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's concerned. He had a four, he had a walk percentage of four. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah, he was in the second. <laughs> he was in the second percentile in the MLB last year in walk percentage. Like what? So, I mean, yeah. listen, he his bat's impressive. He had a very impressive hard hit percentage and everything like that. But his the, let's just look at some of his defensive ratings. His framing, he was in the eighth percentile in the MLB. That's not good. That means ninety two percent of the league was better than him at framing. Look at us becoming analytical nerds. Brutal. Um, um, all right, you uh, is that is that your uh, your breakdown of Salvi? Can I move on? Yeah, definitely. We're good. You're, all right. Four. My number four, a guy who is one of the most unique players in the MLB. I'd, I'd maybe throw him in the Joey Gallo category. Uh, Mike Zanino of the Tampa Bay Rays, I have as the fourth best catcher in baseball. 4.5 F war last year and 375 plate appearances. He was an all-star, I believe. Uh, A 138 OPS plus. Something really impressive about Mike Zanino is he, for a guy who doesn't get a lot of hits, his slugging percentage is like out of this world. 559. 559 slugging percentage last year with a batting average of 216. I mean, that is insane. Let's just break it down. He had 72 hits last year. 33 of them were home runs. Good. Basically half, 11 doubles, um, and a 301 on base. That That's pretty freaking good for a catcher. I'll take an 860 OPS out of a catcher. And he has good defensive metrics, too. I um big fan of Mike Zanino. That's why he's not four. JT Realmuto's four. Wow. Uh, J- JT Realmuto, who I wanted the Mets to get for a while, he had a down season last year. Yeah, he did. A 108 WRC plus. He had a 4.4 war. His defense is always solid. You know, he's a, he's a very athletic catcher. Um, he had 17 home runs. Listen, 
I, would it shock me if he came out next season and was the Phillies' second best hitter? No, wouldn't shock me. But he had a down year, and I don't think it's going to happen. You know, we see catchers, you know, who get up there in age, and you listen. You're not in your prime for a really long time, and you have a shorter prime when you're a catcher. How old is JT Realmuto? Let's check this out. JT Realmuto is 30 years old. And he's going to be 31 by the time the season starts. So he's getting up there in age as a catcher. And again, he's athletic. I'm sure he's going to be able to play other positions um, when he gets older. I, I could see him in, you know, one of the corner outfield spots or first base, but he, he's a great athlete, but I got him at four. His offense was not impressive last year. That, that's a, it's a little bold to me. Um, yeah. I like it. I like it. His numbers weren't so great. I last can't year. put him over Sanino right now. His numbers the season he had. Uh, I don't know about that. And Eno's good. I don't know about that. I mean, yes, I, I didn't just take into account last season. Obviously, that season had the most significance to me when I was making this list. But when you look at the track record, JT Ramudo has been, if you looked at the best catcher in the league over the past three years, you'd probably say it's JT Ramudo. Um, anyways, moving on. Will Smith is my number three catcher in the MLB. Oh, that's, that's disrespectful. Oh, yeah, okay. That is that is. How the hell is that disrespectful? 4.6 F4 last year, 501, 501 plate appearances, a 130 OPS plus. Will Smith's one of the best offensive catchers in the league. Um, if you look at his metrics, he's, he's pretty good. Uh, his hard hit percentages and everything like that is a little lower um, than maybe you think or when you compare it to some other catchers. But... Will Smith is a very, I'm sure you as a Met fan can attest this, very good offensive catcher. Definitely hit a couple of nice clutch home runs against you guys last year. Um, and he, he's number three. I don't really get how that's. I, I, I don't, for some reason, you have a, a, a hard on for this guy. I'm not sure why you think he's, this is disrespectful that I said he's the third best catcher in baseball at his age 26 season for the first time where he's played over 55 games. But go ahead. I'll tell you right now, it took a lot for me not to put him number one. You're a lunatic. A lot for me. You're, to you're in over your head. One. But I, I had to be unbiased because I love this guy, and I had to put him number two. We're not up to that yet. I've got Mike Zanino at number three. Um, We talked about it. Good defensively. I mean, like he had a 560 slugging percentage last year. Um. Listen, he's a very nice power hitter, especially from the catcher position. I, you know, I like Mike Zanino. I was hoping that somehow the Rays were going to let him go, maybe not tender him a contract, but they did. And he stayed with them. Yeah, Mike Zanino is uh, definitely a, an, a really underrated player, honestly. Um, he's got my boy Taiwan Walker deep in the All Star game. Oh, look at him. All right. Number two, uh, I think we're going to get a pretty good idea of who. Our number ones are, I think I have a pretty solid guess of who yours is, and I could say we have the yeah. same. Uh, number two, JT Realmuto. We were just talking about him. 4.4 F War last year with 537 plate appearances, a 110 OPS plus. We said the numbers were down last year offensively. Um, I, I could see that being an easy fix. You know, guys have their down years. It wasn't crazy. He didn't fall off the face of the earth. Um, a pretty solid defensive catcher, really just all-around good player. Actually – one of the he's probably the fastest catcher in the league, and he's yes, he's in the 91st percentile in the MLB with sprint speed. So he's you know one of the fastest players in the league, definitely in the that you know, probably the top 50 or whatever that is. So 
Riyad Muto is my number two. And, you know, I, 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 I justified that because of his track record. Okay. I'm fair. That's fair. Um, my number two is my boy. I wish this guy was my catcher, Will Smith. I love, if you can't tell, I love Will Smith. Okay, I love him. He is clutch. He is one of the most clutch hitters in all of baseball. Okay. Well, why don't you okay. just why don't you just kiss him at this point? I would. He's a good looking guy, too. Oh the Dodgers goodness. wouldn't trade him for anything. They wouldn't trade that guy for anything. Him and Gavin Lux. They, you could have offered Max Scherzer in his prime. They wouldn't have done it. That's how much they liked Will Smith. And they were right. This guy is going to be the best catcher in baseball for years. Just give him time. He's only 26, like you said. Um Listen, he's a pretty good defensive catcher. He's got a four. He had a four point six F four last year. Um, twenty five bombs. Did I mention he's clutch? Yeah, you did. You you mentioned that because he's clutch. Okay, um, thanks. Yeah, I mean, let's see. Bursted onto the scene at age twenty four in twenty nineteen. He had a nice uh, uh, fifty four games, and his twenty twenty season was very good. I know we don't take that. We take it with a grain of salt. You know, we're not really big with the twenty twenty, but um, yeah. I'm big on Will Smith. I love him and excited for this season. He will be on our fantasy teams. All right. Here's the grand reveal for the best catcher in baseball. Yasmani Grandal of the Chicago White Sox. He's a guy who we, yeah, we did have him in fantasy last year. We actually dropped him. We dropped him yeah. for Zanino. But we did get Zanino, so, you know, not not a bad trade there. Well, we, Zanino was hitting so many home runs, we were like, it yeah. was hot. So we were like, let's just ride the hot hand. I stick his, hand. his baseball savant page, Yasmani Grandal, if, if you guys, I don't know how many of you know that much about baseball savant and whatever, but it's a funny thing to look at when you look at this guy's rankings because he's 96th in the league in a hard hit percentage 96th in average exit velocity so obviously he's a very good hitter he's a hundredth in walk percentage he's there's nobody in the league better than him that at drawing walks a a 3.7 f4 last year and 375 plate appearances 157 ops plus to me, I think it's clear. I don't think there's anyone else where you could be like, yeah, it, I think he's the best catcher in baseball. I think it's so obvious that it's Mike Zina, uh, that it's Yasmani Rondo. Mike Zina. Yeah, um, as much as I wanted to put Will Smith over there, I couldn't. His, his numbers are fantastic. He's a analytical darling. It's 420 like on base, 240 yeah. batting average. Yeah, tw- he walked – he had a 23 walk percentage and a 22 uh, strikeout percentage last year. He walked more times than he struck out, which is pretty impressive, especially today. Like you said, 3.7 more, 93 games. Mm-hmm. He's, um, yeah, and we had we had him and Zanino in fantasy. We were, we were blessed last year with catchers, and we didn't even realize it yep. until late. 67 hits, 87 walks. That's pretty good. All right, so let's just do one little last wrap-up like we always do, uh, give our top 10. So from 10 to 1, my top 10 catchers in the MLB right now are Tyler Stevenson, Jacob Stalling, Sean Murphy, Wilson Contreras, Mitch Garver, Salvador Perez, Mike Zanino, Will Smith, JT Realmuto, and Yasmani Grandal. All right, here we go. I had Gary Sanchez, Tyler Stevenson. I had Mitch Garver, 8, right? Yes, Sean Murphy, 7. Um, Omar Navarez, six. 
JT Romuto five, Salvador, uh, no, I'm sorry, Salvador Perez five, JT four, Zanino three, Will Smith two, and Yasmani Grandel number one. Good. I'm glad he can read. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I use the brain. I use the brain sometimes. Yeah, because no, I because my my little post-it sheet was a little, a little right. screwed up. That was definitely, uh, you know, as as much as that list, you know, we don't know. Uh, th- those guys aren't exactly household names at the bottom of the list, but it it was still a fun list. You know that that adds excitement when there's a lot of differences on that list. I'm uh, I'm excited to do you know non-catchers, but yeah, yeah. It'll definitely be more fun making the next couple of lists. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, where do we want to go? You're very quickly because, you know, my New York Mets are really stealing the uh, back pages everywhere. Yeah. Um, they are. Thank God. Yeah. Looking... Things are usually good in the sports universe when the Mets are all over the papers. It's been pretty good. I mean, yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm excited. But um, the Mets are looking for a manager. They are, la- they are allowed to hire one during the lockout and they're coming close to doing so i believe they had their first round of interviews they interviewed six guys um i'll give you the list very quickly joe espada bob i gotta i gotta read the list i forgot <laughs> i i know i forgot to say one of the guys names let me pull it up but obviously the big name here is buck showalter and he is currently the favorite to get the job let me just pull up the list very quickly, and then I'll tell you who I want. I just All right, here we go. That this is that Buckshaw Walters the front runner. Buckshaw Walter, Bob Grennan, Joe Espada, Matt Kitaro, Clayton McGlock. I don't even. I I'm not even attempting it. And Brad Osmus. Nice that that list right there is woo. No, you know what. Honestly, casual take. That's it's a very good list. It is a wow. very good list of names. How is that a very good list? Oh yeah, it's everybody. Everything. Everybody it's knows Brad Osmus. That resume. Oof, he was... Brad Osmus isn't getting the job. He's just yeah. friends with Billy Epler. Buck Showalter is a favorite too. Nice guy should be give, in a nursing home. Give me Buck. Uh huh. Give me Buck yeah. Showalter. Come on. Listen. You want to know why I want Buck Showalter? Well, because he's going to get these guys in order. Yeah, he's going to yeah, bring that old school. Old, right. not, not even that. You know what? This is a very smart baseball man. Michael K said it today. He's never met a smarter baseball man in his life. And Michael K has been around the game for 30 years. Okay? Buckshaw Walter is going to get the best out of his players. He is going to – there's going to be no – if they're on a losing streak in the middle of August, you know, in, you know, in the dog days of August, he's going to be able to get them out of it. Okay, this is a guy that's never going to be outmanaged because of how smart he is. He's seen. Whoa! Everything. Can you please relax? He's, he's seen everything. There he's never going to be outmanaged. Okay. He won't. He literally the last game he managed, he got outmanaged. I think I that was the last game he managed. I wouldn't Whatever. say he got outmanaged. He just made a really dumb mistake. That's getting outmanaged. Made a bad mistake, and we're going to kill him for one mistake. One decision we're going to kill him for. Okay. And to think to think that he hasn't been using numbers and, you know, his whole life and, and looking at different, you know, data to, to make decisions is crazy. Yes, he goes with his gut. But to, th- to think that 
you know, all of a sudden we just discovered numbers and that they work is is so I can't believe that we even think that. Nice. I heard him and Tony Larusa play bingo together. Yeah, Bill, it worked it worked out for Tony Larusa and it worked out for Dusty Baker. Uh. Dusty Baker was in the World Series and Tony Larusa was in it was in the playoffs. So, listen. Okay, I think if I was managing that Astros team, I'd be in the World Series. You think so? That's a hell of a freaking team they have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, listen, I'm I'm on the buck train. I I want him. I I you know I think it'll work. And he's not gonna, you know, they're not gonna offer him the job unless he's because obviously analytics are part of the game and using data from the analytical department before the game to make a lineup to make decisions in the bullpen. It's part of the game now, so they're not gonna give him the job unless he's on board with these things. Right, but he and might I say some stuff and then you know go back to his old ways or whatever, you know. I don't, I don't think so. I, 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 we think of him as this stubborn guy that is going to do whatever the hell he wants. And after doing some research, after listening, to some people talk about him after listening to, you know, an interview from five years ago, he's not that guy. I mean, he, he doesn't seem like he's, this I think you guys should bring Terry back in the stuck up asshole. Yes. Let's I would get, love that. Let's get Terry back, baby. I love Terry Collins. Um, I want Terry Collins. To, I, I wish Terry Collins like my uncle. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens with Buck Show Walter. I, I'll miss him in the yes booth if he's gone. I like him as uh, the post-game uh, or pre-game show, whatever he does with them. Yeah. He's he's fun that way, but sure. Also, imagine, the cult, imagine, it, it, it's all about – it's all, it's, it's big with culture. The Mets had a big time. The Mets were – the Mets last year were, the, were a bunch of immature idiots. Okay, they, they were all way too close with each other. It was like a, it was like a frat party, and not you know you know a baseball clubhouse. Okay, that they had way too much fun. They were immature. It's about culture, and it's really about setting a standard. And I, I think Buck will set a nice culture in that locker room. He won't have issues with rat raccoons and. And things like that. Listen, I'm okay if Francisco Lindor wants to choke out Jeff McNeil. Really, I am. You know, it's part of the game. It's you know, you're with you're with guys. You're not going to love everybody, but don't lie about it. Don't make a fool yourself to the media. And also, Buckshaw Walters got to face the media twice a day for 162 days out of the year. That's that's a big deal. He is the face of your. He is the face. This you know the voice of your franchise really for the whole season and. I, I want that. Holy crap. Okay. Uh, in other breaking news, uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Demarius Thomas has passed away. The Ooh. former Broncos ride wide receiver. He was also a jet. Um, Jesus Christ. This is like horrible. He was 33 years old. I don't know how he died. It like just happened. Oh my God. Uh, Hold on. I didn't even. I did not even. I Oh, you saw it here. Let me. I'm looking on Twitter now. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't really say anything. Yeah. How he passed, but. Oh, my wow, God. That's that's crazy. I mean, he was literally in the league last year, I think. Really? Uh, no, he didn't play. Last, his last year was with the Jets 2019. Um. Well, that is incredibly sad. A guy who wow. was has a possible Hall of Fame resume. Uh, 
and won a Super Bowl at the Broncos, was famous for that year with Peyton Manning when the Broncos literally had the greatest offense of all time. Uh, yeah, that's really sad. Rest in peace, of course. Yeah, definitely. That is – well, yeah. Um, I see here from Miles Garrett TV on Twitter, I just emailed Demarius Thomas' position coach while he was at West Lawrence High School. Jeff Clayton, he tells me the rumors are true. The former G- Georgia Tech and Broncos receiver has passed away at the age of 33. Oof. That's yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. Uh, we'll know more next time, and uh, you know, we'll all know more. But that is very very sad. Yeah. Um. On a happier note, I just was reminded Pat McAfee. Can't believe this. Four years, $120 million contract with FanDuel to be their number his, their number one sponsor. He, Pat McAfee does um, his show on SiriusXM. He does it on YouTube. He live streams it everywhere. And FanDuel's a big sponsor to that, and they just signed him to a huge deal. So good for him. That is, cra- that is crazy. Yeah, that's I like- mean, $30 million is absurd. That's, that's nuts. Good for him. I mean, he yeah. got a lot of criticism, too, when he retired. Uh, he retired and went like to he Barstool. Was early. Remember? He was still in the prime of his career, one of the best punters in the league. And yeah, he went right to Barstool. Everybody said, "Oh, you re- you're retired to become a comedian," and yeah. now look how that worked out for him. Pretty good. He makes more than a lot of NFL players. Yeah, he'd be like one of the top paid NFL players right now with this. Country. Oh yeah. So, so good, good for him. He also must have his people must be terrible gamblers, like the people that he. You know, they sponsor FanDuel too. Yeah. You know, like oh, he gives his listeners. Out his listeners, right. Like they must be terrible. Yeah. yeah. That they're dishing out this money for him. I know. Yeah. Um, so maybe next episode we'll know who the manager is. Mm-hmm. Maybe next episode we'll know more about the lockout. And he's, you know, probably not. Yeah, probably not. I'm going to keep my hopes up that we're going to get this done soon. March 31st and the end of this lockout could not come sooner. March yeah. 31st is opening day. But, um, for now, sl- stop. Please don't do that. I already got my tickets. I already got my tickets. Oh, God. Please. Yeah. For the What's first the real- end, this is- What's the refund policy? Game. <laughs> I got the first and second game. Mm. Oh, I gotta go see the Grom insurance or so, you know. Mm. All right. We will talk to you guys next week.